I think that there is a lot of misconceptions in terms of vacation rental in the industry. I think majority of people think it is very, you know, people are partying like all the time, houses are being trashed and things like that. And that is, that is not, that is not the truth. Welcome aboard guys. Welcome to millennial manhood money talks, the money talk series. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? So I'm excited to have you guys. I've got Stephen Brown back from, I think, April. Uh, yeah. And then Gabriella Riska, who uh, works with Stephen. And as the point of Money Talks has always been, it's like a little side story, a little uh, choose your own adventure that we go down where we teach people about different ways to make money, different business models, different ideas. There's more than just, hey, let me go to school and then work for the same company for 40 years and then retire uh, and walk on the beach when I've got kidney failure and I can't enjoy life. Okay, There's all <laughs> kinds of different ways to make money, guys. And today we're going to talk about well, I don't know if I want to call it this. I'm going to call it Airbnb arbitrage <laughs> and uh, vacation rentals and and things like that. But I'll let you guys take it from here. Tell me about your business model. Tell me about uh, how you got into this business, what you guys do. Give us the 10,000 foot view and you guys can pick who wants to who wants to go first. Yeah. Gabby, you want to hit it? Debunk the yeah. myths. So I actually um, kind of fell into this industry and I'm so thankful that I did. Um, I started out in I was a hospitality major, so I've been in the industry for almost 10 years now and, you know, went, have seen everything from working food and beverage to working front desk at a hotel to moving into events. Um, and then when I had moved to Austin, Texas, um, you know, I kind of fell into it. I, I had worked for a larger organization that was based out of Austin and had performed so well that I was, you know, graciously offered a position here at Grand Welcome. Um, and honestly, the, I foresee myself in this industry for the long haul. You know, I like that it's constantly dynamic and changing on a daily basis where I'm not, you know, obviously coming into work and doing the same thing every day. Um, you know, every day is different and that's what I love about the industry and happy to be here. I got to, uh, Stephen, before you go, I got to ask you, working front desk at a hotel, wildest thing that's ever happened. Go. <laughs> oh man, there are some difficult Yes, I'll tell mm. you that. Um, I worked at a small boutique Marriott property. So, you know, Marriott rewards members sometimes really want that upgrade. And unfortunately, there are only four upgrades. So, um, you know, I, I had one woman that was very upset because she wanted a hotel room with a bathtub. Um, mm. They also required that we went to the grocery store every morning and brought them um newspapers <laughs> as well as different magazines <laughs> on a daily basis um that was pretty interesting but i would say the one benefit i have of working that was one of my favorite bands actually stayed at our hotel when they were in town so i got to meet them personally so that was pretty cool but crazy story would just be you know the guest dynamic i would say <laughs> I, I would like to think i've got some champagne taste but i've never thought about <laughs> being like hey Person that works at the hotel, go to the grocery yes. store for me. Oh, yes. Gluten-free yes. ice cream. Okay. <laughs> yep. Please, please, yeah. please. At six six oh three eight. Sorry, Steve, Correct. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I um I got into the industry back in twenty eighteen um when I purchased a unit um in Nashville with a buddy of mine and 
we lived in one and rented out the other and slowly started to gain more knowledge about just the travel industry in general. And um, I wanted to open up my own business. So then back a year ago in August, Grand Welcome and I started Conversations um, and they're a full service uh, vacation rental management um, company. Um, so from there, we just kind of launched it. Uh, it's a franchise. Locations are in California, Colorado, Florida, now Austin, Texas, um, and, and Nashville. We're looking to branch out to, to other locations as well. But um, one of the you know biggest myths, I think, is like how we do business because really we have two clients, right? Like we're not renting property. You know, we are um, partnering with owners to rent out their property and, you know, marketing to guests on OTA websites, online travel agency um, websites like Airbnb and VRBO. So sometimes people use that term Airbnb to describe the entire industry, but the entire industry is vacation rentals. Um, and Airbnb is just the name of a company, but it's pretty catchy, you know, because like yeah. when you say you're going to get an Airbnb like that, that, that typically means you're getting a vacation rental um, property somewhere and some, you know, location. So I uh, say, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. And, you know, from the start, you know, we've, we've really been able to jumpstart the, the business. And, you know, the best part about it is like I own no real estate and you know, I am able to, to do this, um, while owning no real, without owning any real estate. So partnering with owners, marketing to owners to get their houses on board and the properties on board, getting them fully furnished or most of them already come furnished. And we push, we're pushing them out on OTAs and our backend team is handling a lot of the work while, you know, us and the locations are more so the field site managers. So we have a pretty good team here in place in Nashville, but overall that's kind of the business model and structure. Interesting. So your relationship to Grand Welcome is a, as a franchisee. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I own Grand Welcome Nashville. Yeah. Okay. But you have loco- locations all over the place? Gabby can kind of talk about those. Yes, we do. So, I mean, we do, we're pretty much a national brand, but kind of limited right now. But that being said, come 2022, we're hoping to be in pretty much every market in the U.S. by franchising. Um, Right now, we're in Tahoe, Corona Del Mar, Hawaii, uh, Mammoth Lakes, uh, Sea Ranch, Austin, Texas just launched. Um, So we are growing very rapidly. Um, like I said, before C being in every market by 2022, I know we did just have Boulder sign on. Looks like we have Jackson Hole signing on, um, as well as a few others as well. Okay. So explain the, I understand the business model, but to the folks who are just listening to it, you know, as simply as possible from cradle to grave, how do y'all operate? How, um, how do you go about finding, um, owners to partner with how do you yeah. go about turning mm-hmm. our unit how do you get paid yeah. you know again this is a money talks <laughs> episode so let's let's talk about the actual yeah. you know the process of it yeah so, so you you want to give the corporate perspective gabby and i'll give the franchisee yeah so from a corporate perspective we want to grow organically we don't want to be that management company that comes in and buys another management company that's just not the smartest way to grow we would rather go organic go organically because when we partner with someone like Steven or a franchisee, they pretty much own that business. They own that business relationship and are responsible for growing it. 
you know, we want that person to be extremely local and network and really grow their business. So what's nice about Grand Welcome is Steven and his team as a franchise gets to focus primarily on operations, but then has the backing of our corporate brand when it comes to your marketing revenue and customer service. So it's a lot off of his plate as well. Um, so it kind of offers the best of both worlds at Grand Welcome because we still can offer the personal touch and agility of your small mom and pop through franchising. But then our franchises have that national brand to really maximize revenue as well as marketing. Okay, so that's it's basically scale. Perspective. Correct. It's yeah, very you, scalable. You, and that's mm-hmm. no, it's very scalable. And that's like that's like the perfect business model, right? So like mm-hmm. if you want to be an owner operator, you can scale it up to what, what you want and what you feel comfortable with it. You know, uh, myself and my business partner, we're very much into systems and processes and people. So like in Nashville, we're building a, a pretty scalable brand. I mean, we from marketing and sales perspective to give give you an idea. In March, you know, we started with, I think, four properties and, you know, now we're up to 35 with another 10 to 15 in the shoe. So when it comes to getting new owners, that can be the challenging part about it because a lot of it goes to the person that's on boots on the ground, me, you know, to close the deals and meet with them and, you know, have a conversation. But it's the, like she said, it's the perfect business model in terms of, we have the corporate backing, but we have the mom and pop feel. So like I meet all of my owners and they know who I am. And we, we sit down face to face and talk about their property and I onboard them, onboard them with my Nashville team. Um, and then once a house goes live, I have contractors that, you know, I, I have cleaning contracts that give out um, to um, so 1099 contractors. I have W2 employees. Um, right now we just have, you know, not including myself, uh, we have three, um, and and you know we're just slowly building up that team, and the potential revenue that we bring in is is quite high, you know, just because the industry is a it's a multi billion dollar industry, and it's and it's set to double in the next you know five years, mm-hmm. you know, so really look at it from the perspective of on average, I think it's around, I want to say it's around. Um, 10,000 or not 10,000, like a hundred thousand people travel to Nashville on a um, week, weekly basis. I think that's the number. Um, and, and, and to, to really put that in perspective, you know, as of last weekend, you know, we hosted, you know, just over 1% of that, you know, population. So that's a, that's a big, um, a big part of kind of what we do. So like we're hospitable to the guests, but we also partner with the owners to get their, you know, homes ready for, for lunch and having them turn over for the next guests. And we do other things. I've kind of built it out to, you know, do a little bit more corporate sponsorship things with corporate housing contracts, in addition to helping travel nurses find, you know, temporary homes for um, midterm, you know, periods. So, yeah. hundred thousand people. That's a lot of pedal taverns. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of woos. Yeah. A lot of woos. 100,000 um, woo girls. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's use an example. I've got a house in Nashville that I want to do something with. Don't really want to maybe rent it out because I don't want to be a landlord. Um, Airbnb sounds fun, but I don't really want to Airbnb it um, because for whatever reason, pick a reason. Maybe they're leaving the country. I don't know. 
So I happen to meet this gentleman named Stephen. Stephen tells me, hey, we can Airbnb your property. What does that actual process look like for somebody? So like actually imagine you're talking to people who are listening to this podcast who have an extra, like my sister is thinking about going to Europe for a while. That's an actual case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an extremely easy process, honestly. Um, You know, the main things, you know, that we look for is, you know, First and foremost, this relationship is built on trust, and that's the biggest thing in this relationship. So the initial conversation would really be an exploratory conversation, just learning a little bit more about perhaps your sister's goals for the property, making sure that that's a fit. As soon as we move past that initial call, typically we'll run a revenue projection on the property, You know, make sure that's something that she's comfortable with if she was to rent it out and that all looks good to her. And then if that looks good, if she, you know, just wants to move forward, she could do that. Or if she wanted to meet with Steven prior to signing, she could do that as well. But our agreement's very straightforward at will with just 30 days notice. So would hate to put the cart before the horse, but if, you know, someone wanted to leave, you know, it's a very simple process. And what the onboarding process looks like is really just the permitting, the walkthrough and the photos, the professional photography, which we handle complimentary. And mm-hmm. as soon as we have those items, we typically onboard homes very quickly within a week or so. Yeah. Um, and then we operate with transparency, whereas, you know, in the past, I can't say I've seen that. So, you know, we actually send the listing itself as well as the pricing over to the owner before we even go live across the marketing platforms for them to approve. So as I said, it's a really simple process. It's really just getting to know that owner's goals and make sure that we, you know, adhere to those and set the right expectations for the future. So when it, when it comes to compensation, for example, do you guys work on a basis where it's um, the owner keeps a percentage of each um, rented whatever, or is it a, hey, we're going, to, we're going to pay you flat X amount every single month? No, we, yeah, so that is a business model for some other vacation rental companies. I know a couple here in Nashville like that, the flat rate. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we're very confident that we can get ours and the owner can get theirs. So in terms of it, we work on a percentage base of what we call rent, which is just a, a portion of your average uh, daily you know rate. So nightly rate that you're putting in on. No house is the same. No market is the same. Um, so I'm speaking specifically for Nashville. Um, Nashville, we, we, we charge anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of what owners see in rent. So uh, to give you an example, think the average home kind of in East Nashville, short-term renter wise for a three bedroom, three and a half bath, you know, makes around anywhere between 56 to, you know, $65,000 a year, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and we, for that management of that home, we, we would charge the owner anywhere between 15 to 18, you know, percent, you know, based on how we deem um, the, the, the level of you know, proper full so full management service needed, uh, is needed for it. So, um, so that's how the percentage works. So, you know, we, we, yeah, and really I back can... on Steven too, like we only make money when our owners make money. Right. And with our agreement being as it is, you know, it's only in our best interest to ensure that we're, we're achieving those revenue goals and, you know, we're extracting a positive experience from the start. Right. So that's kind of what that business model looks like. Yeah. What, um, so what does it actually look like for the owner? Again, another reason somebody would might be, might be hesitant, you know, again, and Steven, you and I have talked about this, like all the fears that people have of yeah. renting or Airbnb or whatever, <clears throat> to me are overblown, 
quite frankly. Like when somebody yeah. says, like, what happens if the water heater breaks? You buy a new water <laughs> heater, dude. Like, <laughs> what? what else do you think you do? Yeah. Um, but to some people, that's like a crippling fear. Um, so one of the other crippling fears I could see on the, on the vacation rental side is um, dealing with the apps, dealing with the listing, dealing with answering questions, dealing with all of those stuff. How is that experience for the actual property owner? Are the listings uh, look, done through I, Grand Welcome or do you guys run a personal mm-hmm. post for uh, explain that? Yeah, so the listings are done through Grand Welcome, right? I have owners that I haven't spoken to in months, right? Because like we're turning over revenue. We're in like they we want to make it as easy as possible for them to the point they're just checking their month on the I mean their bank account on the 15th. And seeing how much money they made, you know, in addition to checking their statements and, you know, um, and things like that, you know, because we truly do believe in transparency. So every cost associated with the house maintenance wise is documented and, you know, put into the system and they have access to that to look at it anytime they want. I would like to, and Gabriella, feel free to interrupt, but I, I would like to say, like, you know, we do a really good job at like maximizing revenue. And also my team on the ground does a really good job of taking care of the property, you know, which is the most important thing, you know, is, is cause you, you can put your house on, you know, Airbnb or VRBO home away and like the house will rent, you know, you will get money, you will figure it out. But what we specialize is in is maximizing revenue in addition to taking care of the property, which is the sole reason why we're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah Gabriella. I, I guess this kind of like taps into where we defer from our competitors a little bit, right? So, you know, most managers goal from my past experience is really to pack homes full at very, very high occupancies. And honestly, you could say the same for some owners self-managing because, you know, they really want to ma- get as much revenue as they want. But sometimes that leads to pricing dipping too low that it's almost running the home into the grounds, right? So we would rather pack your home full, but at the right rate. So, you know, we tend to generate more, if not the same than our competitors with less wear and tear on your home, basically. You know, for example, if you think about it, you could have higher rates and less occupancy and be making the same as high occupancy and low rates, you know? So that's something that we really take into consideration. I was just going to say, well, I was going to make a comment. I've talked to my wife about this a lot. And I think about this as, um, as a married man in my 30s. I, mm-hmm. since I've forget married, since we've started dating, I'm sorry, we're, we're Hello. going, uh, we're going to, uh, the beach in October. I had nothing to do with the process of finding a place. Like mm-hmm. she completely controlled that process, which is fine. I don't want to deal with it, but I've talked to her a lot about it. She was like, you got to make the place cute. Like she was, she straight up just said like, if the pictures are good, if the, if it looks nice, if the aesthetic is pleasing. Like I will pay more <laughs> for a property right. than exactly. if it looks just even a little off. Um, right. And like having an, I don't know if you guys do this, but she's also talked about like the property having an Instagram and having, you know, a social media presence where people post pictures and, and things like that. It's just it's yeah. incredibly valuable. You know, obviously anything like that can assist with revenue, right? Anything that makes the property unique, you know, for example, having a pool table or, you know, a ping pong table or a barbecue if you're in the summer months, you know, 
anything that can keep guests at the house, you know, especially for large groups, they enjoy that. Um, regarding your question with like social media and Instagram, Grown Welcome has our own accounts. We aren't against it. If owners want to create their own, we just ask that they link the actual <coughs> Grown Welcome listing to that in case, you know, someone has social interest. And, you know, because we're full service, I have had a lot of owners try and do that. And then they don't really, you know, want to keep up with it because they acknowledge that they're receiving bookings with, you know, how great our marketing tactics are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a definitely a good point. You know, I think obviously, you know, interior design and, you know, putting a lot of thought into the property itself is definitely going to assist with bookings itself. Now, when it, another way we defer from the competition is like what Stephen was saying, you know, we don't use random vendors on a daily basis. You know, we try and assign the same cleaning company to a property so they become familiar with it because we don't want random vendors going in and out because we acknowledge when we do that, they don't know which linens go where, they don't know, you know, how the property is set up, etc. So, you know, after that cleaning company goes out and cleans, Steven or someone on his team will actually physically go out to the property and walk through it just to make sure, you know, everything looks up to par for the next check-in and there is no damage. Um, so I think sometimes people get a little bit scared when it comes to short term because they feel as though there's going to be a lot of wear and tear on the home, but it really, it's really the complete opposite because we're constantly in and out of the property with our inspections and we pack our homes full, but at the right rate. So kind of going back to what you were saying, you know, that's, you know, what we see on a daily basis. I don't know how much of that comment and, and, uh, explanation. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, to go back to your original question, like, I think that there is a lot of misconceptions in terms of vacation rental in the industry. I think majority of people think it is very, you know, people are partying like all the time houses are being trashed and things like that. And that is, that is not, that is not the truth. Um, I mean, we have systems in place to help with that. You know, a lot of what we do also is like the technology partnerships that we have with, our, you know, automation systems for guest entry all the way to our noise awareness, you know, systems that we utilize to kind of control parties and, and monitor them um, as much as possible um, to really deter those. Um, so, but Gabriella hit the um, nail right on the head in terms of um, how we go about it through pricing and um, through our inspections and taking care of the property, because if something's damaged, we know pretty much within 36 hours. So. Right. Let me, let me ask you this, which also good point. Um, I think about every single time I've stayed at a vacation rental of any sort, Mm -hmm. including bachelor parties, which are like, you would assume a bunch of dudes getting together would be like the most disgusting (laughs) thing on God's green earth. Um, but like, (laughs) I feel like we've gone out of our way every single time to make sure that the place is like clean and I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's uh, my specific social circle or what it may be, but I feel like most people are like, I'm not going to trash this place. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that the, the co- most common issue we find is damage to our towels due to makeup, <laughs> you know? Um, but other than that, you know, you know, and we replace those easily. Um, but other than that, like people do respect homes, you know, that's, that's cause they feel at home, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, typically the beds are not made, but like the linens are rolled up into the bed and the towels are in the bathroom. The trash is taken out. The dishwashers ran and the guests are leaving, you know, because they had a great stay, 
You know, that is 99% of how turnovers happen, even in Nashville. I mean, most of the people in Nashville aren't even like in the home. They're out, yeah. you know, on Broadway and Midtown and things like that, you know, wooing, you know? So all in all, <laughs> like people, <laughs> all in all, like people are, are, are very much treating these homes with respect because they know it's not their property. Um, I, but I think that kind of leads into kind of how we go about managing damages to property. And Gabriella, feel free to jump in, jump in here and let them um, and kind of um, explain a little bit more in, tars, in, in terms of our damage waiver and how that works. And um, yeah, so you know, a lot of self-managed owners that I speak to are primarily on Airbnb, so they kind of rely on their policies when it comes to damage. And I can't tell you how many owners have become frustrated with Airbnb's policies because, you know, it's obviously more guest oriented than host oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so what's nice about, you know, coming to a management company like us is we know how to handle damages like that. We, we charge the guest a damage waiver, which is very similar to security deposit. But of course, you know, guests don't like to see hefty fees. So we acknowledge that and charge a minimal fee. Based on the fee that's charged the guest, that covers the owner for 15 times that fee for any accidental damage. So it's just um, all scaling. You're basically correct. you're basically forming an insurance contract from all the owners that you're taking that from. Oh, right. And able to scale. you know Right, exactly. And you know, for example, something as silly as we asked the owners to supply the linens. Maybe we came in and someone was trying to clean up something in the kitchen, there were stains all over one of the towels. And we had yeah. to replace it. You know, we would just replace that via the policy. You know, once a year, sometimes biannually, we'll ask the owner to do a refresh. And at that point, we want to make sure the linens are correct. So we'll probably ask the owner, say, hey, you know, John, where'd you order these linens from? We want to make sure that we ordered the same ones or something similar. Just keep everything matching. Um, but that's what that damage waiver pertains to. Um, beauty of that as an owner is they don't even have to deal with it. We deal with the entire process for them. So, um, you know, that's kind of what that process looks like as well. Let me let me so. ask you this. So... A I guess a couple Nashville specific questions, but, and I know the majority of people listening to this are not in Nashville, but we're going to ask some Nashville specific questions. And I, I think a lot of other cities are taking some of the same measures. So it is my understanding in Nashville in particular, so within Davidson County, you cannot get new permits unless they're commercially zoned or unless it's your primary property. Um, that is that is, correct? Uh, um, I, I guess what, I guess what commercial zoning like hotels like you? if it's zoned like I, I can go build i know a developer who built you know 15 uh tall and skinnies but they were in the mm -hmm. right zoning and he's airbnb and vacation rentaling and vrb whatever yeah all 15 of them um mm -hmm. because he's zoned essentially the same as the virgin is downtown um yeah the the zoning works a little different um and it's but there's a lot of changes happening January 2022 in Nashville. So tell us about um, Yeah. So essentially what's going away is the RM20 zoning, which is a mix. I would think of it as a mix between commercial zoning and residential. So um, there's places in Nashville that have this type of zoning and you were able to do non-owner occupied permitting essentially investment investors and, mm -hmm. and rent out your property without it being your primary residence that mm -hmm. is going away. And everyone is grandfathered in until January, 2022, you know, so it's an easy way to, to check, to see if you're in that zoning 
or if a property you're looking for is in that zoning, you just go into Nashville Partial Viewer, type in your address, and then click zoning, and then you'll see how it's how it's listed. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of reading of, of zoning codes, and the MUL zonings are here to stay for a while, but those are still in conversation of, of being removed years and years down the road. But everyone's grandfathered in. You can still get a permit. Um, it just kind of depends on what zoning you're in. But RM20 Alpha is the zoning that's going away in January 2022. Okay, but the, the other zoning is where it's your primary residence? Um, yeah, so they... so. Yeah, the other type of permit is owner occupy, which means that this house is your primary residence, or you're in a duplex, um, yeah. or an attached, you know, dwelling type of type of thing. So some of our owners even get really smart, and they have what they call a dadu, a detached dwelling unit, which is just like a little little studio garage, seven hundred square feet, in the back of their property, and they rent out their entire home, and they live in the dadu, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, and they travel back and forth, they're on occupied between, you know, cities, you know, cause they travel for work and they're reaping a lot of revenue, you know, anywhere between, you know, we have one, um, we have two homes like this and they, they make around, you know, a little bit over a hundred thousand dollars from their house, mm. you know, while they keep the, all of their stuff and their daddy. Um, so zoning is important. And that's an easy conversation that, you know, I can have with anyone as we look through the property and things like that. Um, but yeah. What, um, what about if I get the permit for a place, the house I'm recording in right now, I, I live here. And then, you know, a year from now we have a little kid and my wife and I are like, you know what, we need a yard and a dog or, or a yard for the dog. And we want to move away. Do I have to keep getting that permit renewed or do I just get, if it doesn't, if it stops being my primary res, or how does that work? Yeah, if I can kind of understand the question. Um, so the, so you're saying if you were to move out of your primary residence to another home, but you had the owner occupied permit, or Correct. owner owner. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you would have to renew the permit every year. Mm. Okay. You know, so and it's three hundred and thirteen dollars now. But I'm saying if I move out of it and have another primary residence, <clears throat> I can't get the owner occupied one renewed. Technically, no. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, what am I not asking that I should be asking? <laughs> um, I think we can talk, like, you know, obviously a little bit about, you know, maybe the trends that we've seen this past year with COVID, <clears throat> Stephen. Perfect. Um, you know, I think, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, definitely, you know, I can speak more to this because Steven opened, I guess, when things started opening back up again. (laughs) Um, but you know, from the corporate side of things, obviously we were kind of at a standstill during COVID. Um, from a sales perspective, I was still making partnerships and connecting with owners when that time came that we could reopen. Upon reopening, it has been absolutely insane. Um, for example, some of our markets, our owners are making double, if not more, what they're making in 2019 with the COVID inflation. Now we're seeing that it's starting to slow down, but I can even speak to Stephen. I think, you know, Nashville, our homes have been slammed. You know, it's slowing a little bit in September, but then popping back up in October, of course, in that event season. So, you know, that's a big change that we've seen. Also, obviously, making sure that we're adhering to CDC guidelines and 
making sure that we're keeping up with those standards in terms of cleanings, you know, that's impacted cleaning fees a little bit to make them slightly higher. Um, but obviously, you know, right now, guests honestly want to see a higher cleaning fee. They want to know that it's being clean to CDC standards and, you know, ultimately ready to go for that check-in. Um, you know, that's something that gives them comfort. And in all honesty, we're even seeing guests at this point sometimes even bring their own items, such as linens, because, you know, they're still a little freaked out. Um, but from a perspective of even just the variant coming back into play, we haven't really seen seen things slow down. You know, people still want to get out there and travel. So, um, Stephen, I think you can speak a little bit more to Nashville specifically, but, you know, I think that's kind of the trend that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, um, I was renting homes, like, when COVID happened and, you know, right off the bat, like you just saw a wave of cancellations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it goes back to, you know, simple economics, you know, supply and demand, you know, we kept our houses on the short term market and they, they still did pretty well, you know, very, very well, you know, not as profitable as like, you know, a group of people traveling, but we had people staying working remotely um, in Nashville for quite some time. And that's how they found the home was through um, the OTAs, Airbnb and VRBO. And they were booking for longer stays, um, which is always nice because you turn down on the turnover um, while you still, you know, reaping the benefit of the revenue. Um, so, so yeah, so roughly around July is when we started to see group travel in Nashville, tra- you know, come back, you know, later in July. And then by the time I want to say, September and October came around, we were in full swing, ready and and back out there as far as, you know, seeing some of the same profits we saw in 2019. Um, and then in March, it was just, you know, we, Grant Welcome and I entered into this agreement in March and from the jump, it was, it was chaotic, you know, cause everyone's coming back on the market. Everyone's excited you know, the restrictions are lessening in Nashville um, and, and things like that. So that's kind of what we saw from Nashville perspective. Um, but yeah. So Gabby, do you want to talk about, um, do you kind of want to talk about how we differ from the competition a little bit more in depthly in terms of? Yeah. So um, I guess like a little bit about my background, because you touched a little bit on it was, you know, I've been in this industry for almost six years now. Um, I worked for a very, very large organization and then I worked for a very, very small mom and pop. So I've really seen all sides of this industry. And, you know, I felt as though that large organization when I was there, their main goal was to just sign, 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 you know, therefore no personal touch and agility and really treating owners like number rather than friends and family. And then when I was at that small organization, I felt they really didn't have the revenue coming in to invest in some of those back-end systems to maximize your revenue and your marketing. So as I said, I feel as though Grand Welcome Mm -hmm. offers the best of both worlds because Steven and his team gets to focus primarily on operations, but has the backing of our national brand. Um, Another big way, of course, is franchising and growing organically. You know, that's really important to us that we really are ingrained in a a market, Um, you know, stay in touch with the county. Um, You know, that's really, really important to us. For example, Stephen has a really great relationship with the county in terms of making sure that owners are getting permitted. He's very seasoned in that and talks to them probably on a daily basis. You know, that's something that's very important to us. Um, Another example is maybe 
um, Tahoe, they've just implemented some pretty strict restrictions and we were able to successfully get all of our home, homes permitted in a, a, an area called Incline Village, whereas some of our competition did not because of mm-hmm. lack of effort. Yeah. Um, so that's something that they are very thankful for. And then obviously keeping our neighbors happy too, right? Um, you know, it's very important to us that we set the right expectations with guests about no partying. Um, we even go as far as to install noise monitors in some mm. of our larger homes, um, just making sure that we are keeping our neighbors happy. And I know Stephen goes to a lot of networking events, just getting our name out there. That Those are all items that are very important to us. Um, so I guess it goes back to we can still compete with these big national brands, um, even actually sometimes generate more revenue than them. <laughs> um, but we still, you know, still can offer that personal touch through Steven, you know, having his direct cell phone and, you know, sending, sending cute little baskets out for guests, you know, that doesn't happen when you're at a large organization. Right. Um, so those are kind of the main ways that we would defer. So from a, a, an actual owner's standpoint, I mean, they can be as involved or not as involved as they want. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of like, as we get into more business and future, you know, planning, that is very much my favorite part about this. You know, um, now that we understand, like now that my team understands and, you know, we can branch into other markets and the great part about this, like industry is the lifestyle, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're branching into markets that people want to go to because that's where the revenue is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking Vail, Keystone, I'm talking Austin, Texas, I'm talking Mm -hmm. Savannah, Georgia, you know, Hilton Head, the Jersey Shore, like all of these locations are, you know, locations I would I would love to be in for a couple of weeks out of the year, a couple of months out of the year. Yeah. So that's like that's the interesting part for me is that you can be as involved or, you know, um as involved as you want to. You know, you can grow your brand and you can find that sweet spot between how how you want your operation to look like. You know, um here in Nashville, like we're focused on quality and not quantity. Um so, you know, day by day, we just take it a step at a time and constantly focus on our systems to improve them. Like, you know, our cleaners, we took a load off our cleaners because most cleaners do the cleaning um, of the linens in the home. Well, that adds wear and tear on the washer and dryer. If, you know, the, the washer and dryer are turning, you know, 20 to 30 pounds of laundry, you know, every hour, you know, for six hours straight, you know, we have our cleaners take our linens to a cleaning service you know, and we pick them up a couple days later, you know? So like, it's, it's a, the back end operation, it's all logistical and it's all people and processes. And that's kind of what, you know, I specialize in and, um, the next location that we open, um, it'll be the same way. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's very much a lifestyle brand. And I, I think it's the perfect balance between what I wanted to do in addition to having my time back to do things that I, you know, um, I truly enjoy doing. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, any parting words on ideas? I think you guys did a really good job of explaining where the, I mean, again, if you've got a house or if you got a couple homes and you're looking at a different way to, to make money without the headache and actually make it passive instead of active, I think this is a great concept. Yeah. And I think, you know, Great concept for someone looking to do what Steven's doing and make their own franchise or even just an owner, right? Yeah. So, so is it limited from a franchise standpoint to one a city or territory or can, can franchises overlap? How does that work? 
Yeah, good question. So, you know, honestly, that's something that we haven't experienced. I know Steven's considering perhaps purchasing another market. Um, I don't know how far he's gotten with that. Um, I'm sure if, um, you know, our owners or if they wanted to purchase another market, I'm sure that's something that our company would be open to. But pretty much it's really you buy a territory specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, though, you know, we have Boulder to sign on, um, but he's also servicing Fort Collins and a few other surrounding areas. So he purchased those areas in conjunction with each other. Makes um, sense. Obviously, if it's already bought, you can't buy it. But, um, yeah. you know, there's definitely, you know, a lot of great options right now. Like I'm seeing leads funnel in from a lot of areas I have to turn down that I wish we had franchises. Um, so, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, how can folks get a hold of you guys? Well, you can give me a phone call um, or send me an email. My email is gabriella.riska at grandwelcome.com. Um, and then, you know, obviously I have a Nashville phone number as well, which I can provide for you following this call. Yeah. Same with me. It's uh Steven with a V dot Brown at grandwelcome.com. And, um, we can send you our information, Yavixa, and, um, yeah, you can put it on the link. Yeah, I'll put in the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the obligatory, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me point down to the, yeah. to the show notes. Yeah. And one thing to note is it doesn't have to be Nashville specific, right? Um, mm. You know, I'm always more than happy to connect and talk, even if it's someone should in franchise growth or, you know, just someone interested in the industry. Uh, you know, yeah. that's what I'm here for. So perfect. Well, and like I said, we'll advertise all of that in the description and the social media post, et cetera. But um, guys, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. I learned a lot. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> as always, manhoodpod.com. Info at manhoodpod.com if you want to get a hold of us, if you got suggestions, you want us to interview somebody, constructive criticism, constructive is the key word. Don't just complain, offer a solution. <laughs> and uh, outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.